Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. So, for Telly's tonight? Hello, Cannoli Canoe. Hi, Dylan. Happy Valentine's Day, Mrs. Dunphy. Oh, Dylan, thank you. That is so sweet. You know, all women should look as tasty as you when they're old. Huh, conflicted. Hey, baby. Hey, take this sweet gift as a token of my affection, my unending love and admiration. Oh, my God, yeah, it's big. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wait, seriously, you gotta put a black light on it. It'll blow your mind. Wow, Dylan, I didn't know you could paint. Oh, I didn't. I just took a photo and I put it through this program that turns it into a painting. Oh, oh. so you two actually did that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Let's go put this over my bed. No, no, no. You don't need to be in the bedroom at all. I'll take it. Did he trump me? The money? You tell me. He made a painting out of a photograph one time. I have handpicked a card, drawn a heart in the steam on the medicine cabinet, and taken Claire to Fratelli's, a family-style Italian restaurant, for 17 years in a row. Yeah, he got me. He got me. Well, I want to welcome you to our new series, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. We're talking about men and women, how they communicate, maybe miscommunicate. Perfect season to be talking about that. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. That was amazing. That was like an octave higher. All the women said that. Uh, How many men actually got a card? You got a card already. You preemptively got a card. Okay, six of you are good. You're in the trim. How many of you ordered flowers? You're going to be ordering flowers. If you're looking last-minute gift, I did this last night. I actually took my wife and my eight-year-old daughter to the Justin Bieber concert. Not the concert, the movie. You know, the movie, people. Uh, It was amazing. It was like 112-year-old girls and then another 140-year-old women. It was very, it was disturbing, actually. Um, I love the show uh, Modern Family because, honestly, you take a couple like Phil and Claire, right? I mean, your average kind of, you know, American family, and they're married 17 years. They've got a mortgage, a minivan, three kids, trying to find a way to keep romance alive. And I'm over here, Nick, and the important thing is this. I look at them, and they look at their teenagers, and they say, what happened to us? How did we fizzle? Where's, they have so much passion and, and ingenuity in the relationship, and why are we in a rut? It gets hard. It's not as simple as it seems, keeping love alive, even for couples who've been married a long time, 5, 10, 15 years. You just ask the husbands or the wives here today. Um, just by way of reference, how many of you are married? You, you're currently married or previously married? Raise your hand, okay? Good, good, good amount there. How many of you are dating? You're in a dating relationship, engaged? I met a couple of you before. Who's single? You're ready to mingle uh, after the sermon. This is a moment. Here's the deal. Whatever season of life you're in, if you're single, you're searching, you're married for years, maybe you're wondering, is this as good as it gets? You've probably discovered men and women, the way they communicate um, can get kind of crazy, can it? It is an adventure sometimes. Think of just like the, um, you know, the simple stuff we say to one another and how the other hears it. I want you to imagine, you know, a woman, the woman says to the man, I have nothing to wear. You know what she means, right? I have nothing new. Now, a man says, I have nothing to wear. What's he mean? I have nothing clean. Okay? (laughs) Same thing, same words, different meaning. It's just male, female. That's an innocent misunderstanding. No harm, no foul. But let's amp this up a little bit. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, women. Let's say you fix a meal for the man in your life, special meal. The dish doesn't go the way you had hoped it turned out. So after dinner, you say, that's the worst meal I've ever made. And he says, no, it's not. How's that going to go for you? What are you saying? Are you saying there are worse meals I've made than this one? Why don't you move back with your mom and let her feed your fat face? I know what you meant. 
You see how conflicts, tensions, they just bam out of nowhere. In James 4.1, the Bible actually asks a profound question. I love this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Ever ask that question? You ever wonder that about your relationship, your marriage, whatever it is? If you've been 5, 10, even 20 years, that question doesn't go away. It doesn't get easier over time. Fights, arguments, irritations, bam, they just kind of explode like that. Even among good-willed people. You let a lifetime of major misunderstandings just kind of pile up, and you know what happens. Same words, different tone. That's the worst meal I've ever made. No, it ain't, honey. It's interesting. Sociologists say that in our uh, first few years of life um, as infants, we interpret the whole world through the nonverbal. We actually don't understand language. So we watch our parents' facial expressions. We read their tones. We look at their posture. But then we grow up, and we assume others will will understand what we're saying. And the truth is, even as adults, up to 80 to 90% of our daily communication is still nonverbal. We're, we're listening to each other. What did you really mean by what you said? I know what you meant. So you understand why relationships can get crazy because we're always trying to decode, decipher what the other really means. Now, why is that? Well, I believe one of the main differences is because God created us that way. The Bible says God designed us differently, men and women. In Matthew 19, 4, Jesus said this. He said, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And here's the context. Why did Jesus say this? A man came up to him and said, what are the grounds for divorce? In other words, Jesus, when a relationship gets so crazy, that breakup seems inevitable. What do you do? And Jesus responds with a rhetorical question. He's like, haven't you read the instruction manual? <laughs> at the beginning, the father made them male and female. He's like, my, the, your, your father made them different, men and women. It's like cats and dogs. Don't you understand that? Dr. Emerson Egerich likens it to the idea that God made women to look at the world through everything they view as if they were looking at life through pink sunglasses. It colors what she sees. In fact, guys, I don't know if you know this, she has pink hearing aids as well. It affects how she hears certain things. She even speaks through a pink megaphone. Men, on the other hand, he says, look at life through blue sunglasses. We walk around with blue hearing aids. We speak through a blue megaphone. So take that same situation. If that woman is 10 of her friends, 10 of her besties, and she says, I have nothing to wear. She speaks that through a pink megaphone, and all 10 of her friends hear that through their pink hearing aids, and they know exactly what she meant by what she said. So they're like, oh, honey, I got nothing new in my closet either. We're going to the mall. You want to come with us this afternoon? They know exactly what she meant. If a guy is saying this to 10 of his buddies through a blue megaphone, and he goes, I don't have anything to wear, they'll look at him and they'll go, she ain't doing your laundry either. (laughs) They know what he means. Pink and blue. Interesting dynamic. Not wrong, just different. When you look at the world through different colors, it changes everything in your dynamic with the opposite sex. In fact, when you look in the Bible at the different descriptions of love and marriage, and the Bible has to say a lot about relationships, you will eventually come to the book of Ephesians, which contains the most significant summary on the subject of marriage in all of Scripture. In fact, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn there to Ephesians chapter 5. It's on page 813, because I want to show you something simple and profound. I want to introduce this because it's our fundamental Um, learning about uh, relating to the opposite sex, the people who you're in a marriage with. But you'll hear Ephesians 5 read at weddings because it's the pinnacle. This is the Bible's single greatest treatise on male-female dynamics. And if you look over it, the heading is women and uh, wives and husbands. In other words, women and men. And the passage crescendos with this one verse, Ephesians 5.33, that is like God's final word to humanity on the subject. And he says this, each one of you, must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must what? Respect her husband. This is the New Testament. This is the the pinnacle on male-female relationships. And I've introduced this to you about three years ago. If you're new, this is foundational to how we view this. If my father was on his deathbed and he summoned me over and he said, lean in, Tim, come closer. I have something to tell you. Lean in. I have a secret to share with you. You and I know that whatever my father said is going to be the most important thing he could tell me. And every word is going to be weighted with significance and meaning. And in his final words on the subject of relationships, it's as if God is saying to his church, come close, lean in, my daughter. Come closer, my son. Listen to my words about relationships, male, female. Listen to me. If you hear these words and put them into practice, everything's going to be okay. And what you see here is a male-female issue, a pink and blue distinction. The Apostle Paul who wrote this says, men, you must love your wives, love the women, and women, you must, what's the word? 
respect your husband, the men. And if you contrast those two for a minute, you see there's a very interesting distinction being made, isn't there? It's a point that might be illustrated this way. Each of us needs air to breathe. We each have an air tank connected with an air hose. And this is basically like the way that we get filled up. This is what gives us our life and, oh, that feels good. Ah, And what the Bible is saying is that at her core, a woman has a tank that needs to be filled with unconditional what? Love. She loves to love. It's her nature to nurture. It's all about relationships and Justin Bieber, okay? And if you cut that off, you're going to get a reaction. But for men, it's different. His air tank doesn't need to be filled with love. It needs to be filled, what's the Bible say? With respect, a different core value, two sides of the same coin. And this is the root of the issue. And men and women run into conflict because every once in a while, they will step on each other's air hose and cut off what each other needs to be filled up. Imagine, actually, I'll make this very live. Um, earlier this winter, our, our basement flooded, our, our, our bathroom in the basement, and my wife, Colleen, uh, woke me up. There was an inch of water in the bathroom, and it kind of freaked her out. She had girlfriends coming over for a life group. I was asleep because I had worked very late. It was up till 3 a.m. the night before. So she woke up. There's a standing water. She's like, I don't know if the pipe is broken or the pump or whatever. Can you fix it? Please, just fix it. Fix it. I need to take care of me. Make me feel loved. Take care of me. And I am not big on home repairs. I'll just come out and say this. Not my thing, right? I'm like, isn't there like a vacuum? And I get the vacuum. She's like, no, a wet vac. Okay, you know, I've got the... But I was on Tim time because I had got, been up late the night before and I had to figure this kind of thing out. So I actually poured myself a cup of coffee and I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. And I sat down on the couch and flipped on Sports Center. <laughs> that helps me think. I didn't realize her friends were due over in an hour. And when she came downstairs and saw me in my sweatpants sitting on the couch watching Sports Center, <laughs> she felt unloved. I was sitting on her air hose and pink reacts. Get off my air hose. Get off my couch. What are you doing? Don't you care? And I'm like, oh, easy, easy, easy. She goes, I need to feel like we're in this together. And I'm like, what do you mean together? I'm just watching. She goes, all right, fine. I'll take care of it myself if you can't. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you saying I can't do this? And now Blue feels like he's being belittled because she's questioning my masculinity. And when Pink steps on my air hose, oh, no, my L-O, love is not spelled L-O-V-E for a man. It's R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. And I react because you're stepping on my air hose. So I say, what is your problem? Chill out, woman. It's not even, it's 930 in the morning. What's wrong with you? Are you acting so crazy? How do you think that day's going to go? That's about how it went for us. This is all before 10 a.m., people. See, when our air hoses get stepped on, we get, caught, get cut off from what God says, you need, I fundamentally designed you to crave as a man, as a woman. And we react. And women begin shouting through their pink megaphones at people with blue hearing aids, but it's lost in communication. In fact, the opposite occurs. Because a woman just wants to feel nurtured and cared for. And when that doesn't happen, she reacts in a way that comes across as, disrespectful. And when a man feels dissed, he comes and reacts in a way that feels unloving. Forget you. This is the heart of the matter. See, no man on earth is capable of feeling love and affection in his heart towards a woman who thinks he, ha- she ha- he has contempt for who he is. It's not within his nature. He can't feel that any more than a woman can respond, uh, let's just say, sexually to a man who she feels is fairly apathetic or uncaring or angry towards her. It's not within Pink's nature. That's not how she's been wired. Pink needs to feel unconditional love apart from how she appears or how she performs. In the same way, a man just needs to feel unconditional respect for who he is as a man apart from his performance. And if he doesn't receive it, he's going to walk away. He'll withdraw because he finds it impossible to love her without the respect that fills his tank. And see, the foundational dynamic that God's highlighting here, guys, in Ephesians 5 is in the context of marriage, but it runs much deeper than this. If you are single, you need to understand this. This isn't just about marriage. Women are women. (laughs) A man is a man, regardless of what you call him, okay? Their essential natures are unchanging. They are set deep within each by God himself, pink and blue, love and respect. Not wrong, just different. And if you are uh, literally considering a relationship, maybe you're engaged or something, you want to relate well, move that relationship beyond superficial attraction, 
Um, this is foundational. If you're married like I am, I believe this dynamic has the single most determining uh, power of whether your marriage will actually grow deeper and, and over the years or wither on the vine and end up, honestly, in the scrap heap, which now a full 51% of all Christian marriages do. So we're now over the majority. Each of you must love the woman and the, woman and the wife. What's what? Respect the man. Love and respect, simple premise. But that can take a lifetime to put into practice, can it? Those of you who are married, you can, uh, you can testify to this. Um, what would be a real-life example of a woman feeling unloved? Let's just think about this. We'll start. It's, uh, it's mid-February. Here we are. Let's say you're beloved. She gets on the scale in the morning. She got on this morning, and she said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. She goes, I've been, it's been cold out. I've been wearing big coats. I can't believe this. All these pounds I've put on over the holidays... It was the Thanksgiving and then the Christmas parties and the New Year's, and I just, I feel fat. I feel ugly. I have nothing to wear. <laughs> now, Blue is a sensitive guy. He watches Oprah. <laughs> and he understands this is a trick question. <laughs> Agrees, calling her fat, disagrees, calling her crazy. So he says something like, do you need a wet vac? He just gets out of there. You just want to get, get out. But the next day, Blue walks into the bookstore at lunch break, and I can't believe it. Barnes & Noble sitting right there in the front wheel. What good luck. He sees a book. Look, it's Weight Watchers. <laughs> she was just talking. Dieting for the Christian woman. Post-holiday menu. She'll love this. That's great. No, I'm going to pick this thing up. Every man makes this mistake one time. <laughs> one time. But because Blue is solution-oriented... He says, no doubt. And then he says, you know what? This is going to be nice. Just wrap it up. So he wraps it up, and he comes home that night. He says, oh, hey, hey, I got you something. You, know, you, you, you got this for me? This is, is this for me? This is for me? Yeah, yeah, you were thinking of me. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And suddenly, he's at Cape Canaveral. And the rocket takes off. And Blue's like, what's going on here? The rocket takes off, and she explodes, and she's like, you men have two brains. One is lost, and the other's out looking for it. Why are you, what are you thinking? You insensitive idiot. And Blue's like, what just happened? What, what did I see when that dieting book, when Pink hears that man through her pink hearing aids? Static. Because she hears the message coming in loud and clear, and it goes something like this. I do not accept you. I do not approve of you. I do not feel an ounce of affection for you unless you look like Beyonce. That's what she hears. That's what she feels deep inside. And she goes ballistic because she feels this. You don't love me unless. You will only love me if. You'll only love me if I perform or if I look a certain way or I meet your impossible criteria. That's what she hears. And guess what, guys? When Pink feels that, she's going to react negatively because you're stepping on her air hose. And when she feels unloved, guess what? She's going to act in ways that feel extremely disrespectful, insensitive idiot. The interesting thing, of course, is that if, if, if she brought home the diet book and you know, gave it to him, you know how men would react to this. It'd be like, oh, cool. What's for dinner? Because when we look in the mirror, we see Atlas. <laughs> Ladies, a little secret. We can bring Atlas out anytime we want. I still got that. Still got that sweet action going on there. Let me suggest to you, body image issues are very different for pink and for blue, aren't they? Not wrong, just, just different. Women are especially sensitive, very sensitive blue. Now, what's more ironic is that if pink's, you know, girlfriend came over, if her bestie came over with this thing, she'd be like, did you get that diet book? Oh, is that the one that was on Oprah? Do you want to do it together? Yeah, let's do it tonight. You want to start a colonic? Let's do it. Because when, when, when pink speaks through a pink megaphone and you hear it through pink hearing aids, there ain't no static. It comes through clear. But when blue starts to talk <sighs> static, when pink feels unloved, she feels negatively, she acts in ways that are disrespectful to blue. It will sound like criticism. It will sound accusatory. Because pink's just trying to send a message in pink speak, which says, I feel undesirable right now. But because of the tone and the emotion and the negativity end at him, Blue ends up missing. He, he's trying to, what? He wants to hear it, but he can't hear the deeper heart cry that says, I need you to reassure me. I need you to say you love me even when I feel unlovely. That's what I'm looking for. But Blue can't hear this. 
because he's drowned out by the harsher static that's accusatory. You insensitive. You're an idiot. Don't you know me? You Look what you did. Now I'm in trouble again. And when he hears that, it comes across as an attack loaded with disrespect. He feels dissed from his goodwilled efforts to help. It comes across as, I don't respect you any farther than I can throw you. It's crazy. It's a crazy little thing called love. How in the world do you find a way forward through that dynamic? The answer is, most don't. That's why 51% of marriages fail. It's why most dating relationships over two years never make it to the altar. And the ones that do often end up in opposite corners of the ring. Because pink and blue, they can sleep in the same bed, but they can just be miles apart inside. You guys know this. Haven't you heard, Jesus asked? At the beginning, God created them male and female. And pink needs unconditional love like she needs air to breathe. And a man's soul, at the deepest part of core of who he is as a son of God, he needs to feel respected for who he is as man. It's like oxygen to his soul. Pink and blue, not wrong, just different. Let's imagine a couple weeks uh, go by, and now the woman, she goes by that same bookstore, and she looks in the front window, and she sees, because now they've been having a little bit of static in their relationship, but good news for her, look, look, look what was in the front window. Moments together for couples. <laughs> this is us. This is so us. Oh, my goodness. This is... This is totally us. This is so, oh my goodness, this is us. And she says, I'm going to get, this is so us. I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to download it to my Kindle. I'm going to get it twice. I'm going to, this is so us. And so she buys it and she thinks he really needs this. But, but he's, you know, he's very busy. He works very long. He doesn't always have time. He's not a big reader. So, so um, you know, what? I'll take a highlighter too. Can I get that highlighter? And she'll take that highlighter And when she gets home that night, she begins highlighting the sections that she thinks would be helpful for him. (laughs) And it's like a 365-day devotional. She goes through 180 in two hours, you know, that kind of thing. But she's subtle. I'm not going to throw in his face. So you know what I'll do? You know what I'll do? I don't want to be, I'll just, you know, give him, he can go at his own pace. I'm going to prop it right here on the table next to the chair where he watches football so he can see it. Blue, how do you feel when you see that book? Yeah, I see it right now on your face, JP. (laughs) Let me tell you something, ladies. Most guys, when they walk in there, they're going to go watch a big game, and they see moments together for couples with the Post-it notes sticking out and all that stuff, man. They they actually get angry. They don't say it. They just just go, I know I'm in trouble. (laughs) Because this is the third marriage book this year. First one, I, I just ignored. I didn't say anything. I got in trouble. Second one, I, I said something, but I still got in trouble. But I got less trouble when I said nothing, so I'm just watching the game. He's going to just watch that game. He's just going to pretend he doesn't see it, and she's going to come in and say, Hey, did you notice anything? No. Right there, next to you? Oh, thanks for the drink. No. I'm pretending I'm not seeing this because this makes me feel very insecure as a man. Because you know what this thing is saying here? This thing, when he looks at this, he's going to stonewall you because the message coming through loud and clear to, to blue is this. Guess what, sweetie? You're falling short. You're failing as a husband. I don't actually respect you unless you change right now, and I think I can do it. Here's my recipe book. That's what he hears. That's what he feels. Pink not only disapproves of his performance, but she's out to change him because she doesn't like the core of who that man is. Now, I'm not justifying this. This may be totally inaccurate, it may be wrong in the same way that she can be wrong when she goes, you know, ballistic over the diet book. But there's something within men and women, there's something within pink that interprets a dieting book as threatening to pink. Just as there's a tendency in husbands to interpret marriage books as critical of blue. He doesn't experience this, ladies, as an innocent attempt to increase the love. This is not how he feels this. Rather, he sees it's just a reminder of the ways he's fallen short as a man. Here's one more thing she's dissatisfied with. And that's going to result in me probably losing face. See how crazy this can get? One feels a lack of respect. And so he responds without love. And this wheel goes around and around. What's funny is that, what's funny if if he brought that marriage book home to her, how would she react? 
you were thinking of us at your lunch hour? You got this for us? You, 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 you want to read it? You want to read it tonight? We'll read out loud on bed together? Yeah, two of us? Read out loud? What's... And then she's going to get on the phone. Next thing she's going to do is get on the phone with her girlfriends. And she's going to call her best. And she's like, yeah, she, she, he brought it for us at the bookstore. Yeah, he was thinking of us. Yeah, we're going to read it together. We're one. We're connected. We're soulmates. <laughs> That's how Pink works. She loves to love, man. It's her nature to nurture. Why doesn't she get all bent out of shape? Because she interprets a marriage book through a different set of lenses, and she has a different need than you. Is that okay that she's different? It's called pink. It's called female. It's the same reason you get cranked about the marriage book. He sees it through a different lens. He has a different need, and that's why he gets upset. It's not that he doesn't love you. He just doesn't like to feel attacked. Now, I know I'm using examples for marriages here, but if you're, if you're single, you're starting over, you've got to pay attention here <laughs> because if you're going to nurture relationships that go beyond like just casual dating... There's a divine dynamic here that God is revealing to all of us, single, married, starting over. You've got another shot, but you've got to learn something foundational here. I talked to somebody after the earlier service, and they said, you know, that was hard for me. I'm divorced, but you know what? I started realizing, sorting through my stuff, there was a lot of that there in me. That's essential. This is a healing thing that can actually, God says, I can change the dynamic for your next relationship. See, the core of this, guys, is that when a man doesn't feel respected, he typically shuts down. He withdraws. He doesn't engage. That's his response, stonewalling. He actually goes silent, which most women interpret as unloving. You get very upset because you, you look at this and you're just like, I don't believe this. He doesn't even care enough to say something. There's an elephant in this room and he just walked away. Clearly, he doesn't even care about it. He doesn't, he doesn't love me enough to engage on this level with me. I want to be intimate, and, 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 and it's when it's awkward, he feels it's insulting. And when, when, when he feels disrespected, guess how, guess how he reacts? Ladies, you know this. You're very good at it. Just talking candidly, I, obviously these are generalizations. But when Blue walks away, what are you going to do? That's when we've got to turn up the volume a little bit. I don't think he hears me. I am so mad at you. Why did, what did I, what, what do you, what do you, why did you even say anything about the book I left you? I highlighted it for you. I wrote a note inside. You haven't said one word. I bet if I hid your remote, you'd notice. You'd be searching all over for it. You care more about that dumb TV than you do our marriage. Now, he's not only felt attacked and criticized, he just had his character assassinated. How's that going to go? This ignites what Dr. Emerson Egerich calls the crazy cycle. This spinning cycle that feeds itself on Ephesians 5 dysfunction. Think of it this way. If you imagine it like a clock. That without love, she reacts without respect. So I think we have an animation of this because I want you to think about how this goes around and around in your relationships. Without love, the woman reacts without respect to the man. Without respect to the man, he's going to react without love to her. And without love, she's going to react even further without respect. And then he's going to react even more unloving. And round and round it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows until it gets, this baby starts spinning and gets crazy and crazy and week after week and month after month, day after day until the relationship explodes. It can't bear the weight of it anymore. A relationship, a human heart can be trampled only so many times. All the air gets sucked out. The divine nutrients that God said, I'm ordaining to breathe life into this relationship. The love sucked out. The respect cut him off. He's not loving me, and I'm not going to respect him. The crazy cycle. That's what Dr. Egerich calls it. I've referenced Dr. Egerich a couple times, and I need to give him full credit for this, this message, this, the pioneering, this love and respect dynamic that's found here. In Ephesians 5.33, um, I first shared this concept with you guys over three years ago in 2008. Um, Dr. Egrich has a PhD in family studies, and for years he, cu- he counseled couples who got caught over and over again in this, this rut. I feel like we're going in circles. Now, the, the topics would change, the situations would change, but the cycle remained the same, and they would just go round and round and round, and no one knew how to get off. And as he studied scripture, he noticed this critical distinction in verse 33, that the deepest needs of a man and a woman are not the same. They are as different as pink and blue. And he began a ministry devoted to this love and respect message. I actually wrote the book on it. We listed that in your program. You can download it to Kindle. You can pick that up on Amazon. But I give that book to every couple that I counsel who is in crisis. I give it to every couple who is not in crisis because it is the foundation of long-term relationships. 
And this is where Egerich describes a crazy cycle in detail because the crazy little thing about love is that love alone is not enough for a successful relationship. It's not enough. Isn't that a romantic Valentine's Day message? Love is not enough. We all bought the Beatles lie. All you need is... Love is all you need, really. According to scripture, that's a lie. Each of you must love the woman, and the woman must what? Respect the husband. Love and respect. Two foundational pillars that take a lifetime to put into practice. But this is the only thing, guys, that can stop that crazy cycle from spinning in a relationship that seems headed to court or even just stuck in a rut. Some of you married folks right now, my guess is you are... um, you may be miles into the journey, and you're kind of sitting there wondering. At first, it was laughing, and now you're nudging each other. <laughs> and now you're like, where do you get that book, Moments for Couples? Um, <laughs> but as I've been talking, you're like, this is, this is us. Are, are you saying, Tim, that there is more? That marriage isn't this, just, this, this long, mediocre slog to retirement? It's not. It's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It takes work. It takes understanding. It takes language acquisition. You have to learn an entirely new language. And you will need to defer to God's design for male and female, for pink and blue, if you're going to do it God's way. Uh, my wife, uh, Colleen, and I, this summer we will be married 13 years. Can we hear from my wife? That's patience right there. <laughs> Yay for us. Um, and, you know, we we're talking about, there were, there were times, though, over the first 10 years where we both wondered if we were ever going to really make it candidly. Honestly, when we, um, how do I say this? I want to, because we're talking about this, and, and this is cleared with her, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you take two naturally strong-willed people, okay? Good-willed, not evil-willed, but strong-willed people. You add a couple of kids to the mix, one a high-energy, strong-willed boy who takes after his mother. Uh, you, launch, <laughs> you launch a church in the middle of that, things mushroom, whatever, and you'll put life in New Jersey, and things get on that spin cycle real quick, okay? You get conflict. It's inevitable. And honestly, a few years ago, we hit our max as husband and wife, I would say. It was tough. We went through that crazy cycle on kind of a weekly basis. We did it over Christmas again, right, sweet? And the, um, we were talking about it last week because we my parents took the kids. We were able to get away for a few days. And um, as we reviewed those moments through this lens of love and respect, it was like a light bulb went on for us. This dynamic revealed here in Ephesians 5.33, without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he's going to treat her without love. We have seen that one up close. And one of the flashpoints occurred actually around my wife's 35th birthday. Um, I'm not a big birthday guy. That's part of her love language. She loves parties, surprises, presents. It's part of her love language. Pink loves that stuff. And she hinted around her 35th that, um, you know, I appreciate this because men thrive on information. I was like, so so what do you want to do? Big birthday kind of? She goes, I don't want anything. I just like to go out with a few friends, you know? So we talked about it. She goes, how about like a dinner party, you know? Invite a couple, some couples who we're doing life with together. And, um, And she didn't, she's like, I don't want presents. Just our friends coming would be enough. So I made some calls. I started getting prices. And I started doing the math. And I said, uh, so I've been calling around. I was like, you know, our, I love having our friends, but do you think everybody can afford this? And she was like, what do you mean can they afford it? You are paying. I go, right, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? She goes, it's, it's a party from, she goes, you don't put that on our friends. You're, when you're throwing a party, you pay. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, that's how that works. And, uh, and, and I was like, but you're sure? I go, she goes, I don't care if it's, if it's just one other couple. She goes, I just, I just want to go out and have a nice time together. And, and this is what I want. I was like, just th- please don't make any, a big deal, even if it's just one other couple. She said, all I asked him is that you take care of everything and nobody feels awkward. And I said, I can do that. And uh, so I made reservations. It's a nice restaurant. I actually uh, went there on my lunch break, talked with the maitre d'. I said, things that would be special. So he took me to their special room. It was one of those wine rooms. The walls had these like built-in, you know, cases and there's a fireplace and there's fine wines, definite wow factor. And I was like, all right. I said, this would be kind of cool. We'll get a few of our friends, whatever. I arranged the whole thing. I picked the menu. Uh, I arranged to have some wines on the table. How romantic. And um, <laughs> got the whole thing arranged. And I was feeling, I was, I'll just be honest, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, that's what you call a planner, ladies. I'm not a talker, I'm a planner. And uh, I was like, I'm a stud. And as the day got closer, she started fishing for hints. I was like, just relax. I was like, you're going to love the surprise. And she was like, just promise me one thing, sweet. Promise me it's going to be our treat. Promise me you will take care of everything. I don't want our friends paying. And honestly, 
I felt a little disrespected. I was like, I got it. I, sweet, I got it. Trust me on this. You're going to love this. And so the week before the big day, I'm talking with a couple of the other husbands who are, who are with these couples. And, and they're like, dude, this is great. It sounds awesome, man. You're like, is it pricey? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm taking care of the bill. And they're like, you serious taking care of the bill? I was like, dude, no, really. And they go, you know, that's way, they go, that's way too much for, you know, it's like three other couples. And they're like, I, they go, you know what? Let us, let us at least spring like for the wine or something like that. I go, no, this is important to Colleen. I said, I'm, I'm taking care of everything. It's her special day. All right. And, and I appreciate that. You know, when your buddies, you know, you know how that goes, guys. They're like, hey, they're looking out for my back. So her 35th arrives. I cut out of work early and understand this is a stretch for me. I meet up with a maitre d'. I got a couple of bottles of wine open and our friends arrived and it was awesome. It was a perfect evening in every way. Colleen got there. She was surprised. The wine room was a wow. It was a special night and it was a pleasure to do. She is a special woman and she doesn't ask for very much and it was a treat to be able to do. And uh, we had a phenomenal time until the end of the evening <laughs> when the bill arrived. So I knew this was a sensitive area and she had said, Tim promised me one thing. I want everything taken care of. I don't want anyone to feel awkward or anyone else paying. So I prearranged to take care of the bill. Mater D came up to me. I said, oh, thank you very much. Uh, that, wow, thank you. No, no, focus, Tim. You can do this, right? And as I opened it up, I was prepared for this. So I'm calculating the tip. And that's the moment when my buddies in blue came walking on over. They're like, dude, this was awesome, man. Hey, give me that. And one of them ripped the bill out of my hand. Hey. And the problem is, I go, no, seriously, give me that. He goes, no, dude, let us help with it, man. We'll, we'll, we'll split it. And they start fishing around for their credit cards. I go, no, this is really important. I'll take care of this. He goes, no, 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 come on, like we talked about, like we planned. One of them was Pastor Mike, <laughs> who is seven foot seven. And as he dangled that bell, I was like, no, come on, stop. Oh, you are making this very difficult for me, Mike. And I got like fired up. And, and, and the problem was, is Mike said that. And the other Mike said, no, seriously, dude, just like we talked about. As he said that, Colleen was, I will never forget this because you know when life turns into slow motion? <laughs> like the $6 million man, she's putting on her coat. You know how you look, you know, they romanticize. I saw her eyes across. It was like, <laughs> and I was like, no, the bill. But it didn't matter because she just goes, coat on and starts talking with the women. And I just felt the shame rise up inside of me. And I was like, give me that bill. You know, I might grab the thing. And I run over to her. I go, sweetheart, sweet, sweet, sweetheart. And she goes, mm-hmm. I go, I'm paying for the bill. I go, Mike's just being jerky. And <laughs> blue will always throw blue under a bus. That's just how that works, okay? <laughs> I go, I'm just, I'm taking care of the bill. They wanted to chip in for the wine, but it's not happening. I'm taking care of things. And she just goes, mm-hmm, whatever you say. And it started rising up in my face. And um, we settled up for the food, walked out into the parking lot, cold night air. We put our coats on, and you know how this goes because you got to, you know, make happy with everybody. Hey, no, thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, see you at church. High five. Get in the car. Wham. <laughs> and you slam that door, and we sat there because she was not feeling the love. And I was not feeling the respect because she still had that look on the face. She was looking straight ahead out of the windshield. We started the car. I was so mad I couldn't speak. We just started driving. Drive in silence. Finally, she said, so what happened? I said, nothing. Nothing. Did you have a good time? She didn't say anything. Pull into the driveway. Walk into the house. Keys on the table. Boom, slam the door. Walk upstairs. You know how this goes. We get into the bedroom. I start taking my stuff off. She goes in the bathroom, starts putting the stuff on her face. And I'm just feeling it, man. I was just like, lights go out, and we're laying in the dark, and I couldn't hold it in any longer. We lay there for no more than 15 minutes, and finally I just snapped the light, and I go, it's never good enough, is it? It's never good enough. She goes, what are you, what are you talking about? I go, you know what I'm talking about. I saw you talking with the women there about the bill. Like, I get it. I'm cheap. Tim's a cheapskate. Put it on neon lights. I get it. 
It's not enough that I go through arranging this whole party. I invite all the people. I talk to them. I organize the whole friggin' thing and none of it's enough. And she said, "Hun, I asked you, I asked you one thing. I asked you to take care of the bill, which in Pink's language, by the way, says, I asked you to take care of me. And she said, look, it's not a big deal, but I just didn't want our friends to feel awkward. And the more she spoke, the angrier I got. Because I heard that as contempt, lack of gratitude for my goodwilled efforts to try to do something nice. I do not care what you did. That's not how Blue hears it. That's not how Blue feels it. And I felt exposed in front of our friends. Like I'd come up short. And Kyle was just highlighting it for everyone. I felt dis. That means disrespected. Turns out, of course, she actually wasn't talking to them about that at all. Facts don't matter. (laughs) So that night... On my beloved's 35th birthday, your pastor, your spiritual leader, pulled up the covers and said, happy friggin' birthday. How's that to feel you have your host stepped on, birthday girl? Happy birthday. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right. You know these moments, but I was, I was so PO'd, I couldn't even pray. You know, you're, you're, you're just, you know, this... <laughs> You're a Christian, you lay there, and you're like, oh, you know, what would Jesus do? You know, kind of, it's like, what would, Je- like, what would Jesus do in this situation? Jesus didn't get married. <laughs> I j- <laughs> There's, I don't, you know, Jesus, Jesus would have ordered tap water for the whole table. And when the meter D wasn't looking, turned it into wine. That's what Jesus would have done. Okay, that's what would have happened. He would avoid the whole thing. And so we lay there in the dark in silence, and silence, and, and Pink doesn't let it go because when there's an issue, it's her nature to nurture, and, and we got to reconcile. We got to talk about this, which feels almost like to Blue picking a fight. And I, I just felt like so, she goes, she goes well, if you didn't want to be embarrassed, why didn't you just take care of things like I asked? And I was like, ah, I took the blankets. I went off to the guest room. She goes, you're just going to walk away? You're not going to talk about this? I'm like, you better believe it. And I slam the door. Catch this. Two goodwilled people, two people with the spirit of the living God supposedly residing in their hearts on what should have been a joyous evening, celebration. They go to bed seething, seeing red on the brink of divorce. I I might have signed the papers that they put in front of me. You go, But but Pink can't let it drop, so she followed me into the guest room. Look, all I ask for is one little thing. Now, ladies, just let me tell you how this works for men, okay? When a man feels attacked, if it's another man and he goes after him, you know what? Why don't you da-da-da-da? How's that going to work, guys? You know how this works. You turn around and this is where it ends, right? Meet the twins. Mm. Blue does not experience this as a loving act. But as you picking a fight, he's withdrawing because he's actually trying to do the noble thing. I'm trying not to fight the woman that I love. But when you follow him, you don't give him the space because it's painful when he's stone walls, but it grinds his gears. And we had it out. On my beloved's 35th birthday, a spectacular fight till 2.45 a.m. in the morning. Happy birthday to you. Why? Because we cut each other off from the very thing God said I designed her to crave. I designed you to be nourished by. I refused to respond in a loving way when I felt disrespected. And that cloud hung over us for over a week. I'll rewind a little bit. 24 hours went by. And I was like, well, you know, guys are just like, whatever that was, let's move on. I have other needs. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you're not like me, Blue. You can act all holy. My reconciliation language is physical touch. And so the next night, I said, we're not going to have a replay of that. Jesus, I'm going to be the bigger man. And I got in there, and I said, hey, sweetheart, listen, you know, that whole thing, all that, anyway, just, you know, I just want to, you know, and I started moving over towards Colleen. And you know what Pink is like? Pink is like, oh, no. No, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? She gave me the Heisman, man. She's like, oh, no. Oh, this is happening, right? 
And I'm like, why, why, just the bygones be bygones. Why do you want to keep bringing this up? You're picking the scab. And, and, she, and I'm like, you know, forget you. And in the days following, she kept bringing it up because her value is keeping our relationship current, which to my blue ears felt like more disrespect. She's rubbing it in. Why are you bringing this up? And that cycle went on for three months, guys. Three months. It'd go underground, but keep simmering, eventually raising its head in other circumstances. And that unresolved hurt festered and it took its toll. Because we denied each other the very thing God says we need most for her. It's to feel like she is going to be taken care of no matter what. It is called unconditional love, no matter how awkward it gets. And when there's a crisis or a problem that I'll still engage with her, that I won't retreat. For me, it's to feel like my attempts to care for her, unconditional respect, are acknowledged and celebrated. Even when my efforts fall short, she'll highlight the good. We spent several months choking each other's air hoses until we finally let go and sought help. This was October 2006. And it took almost a full year before we were even able to speak of that, the, 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 the birthday blow up, and address it in counseling. That's how painful it was. That's how wounded we both were. And when we look back on that now through the lens of pink and blue, wherever she is, <laughs> it seems so, so obvious. It seems obvious now to us. We're like, yeah. She didn't feel loved, and I felt dissed, and, and, and just got, got crazy. And when she shot me that look of disapproval, I thought it's like she's calling me out in front of my, my peers. You're cheap. Like, she take all the planning for granted. None of it counted. Only my failure as a man is highlighted. And see, folks, just lean in. Hear my heart. Men and women, people are divorcing every day over stuff like this. Every day. Every day. In this church, at work, in our communities. Because the situations change. But that cycle keeps going round and round and round. You know what people do? That's when they end up calling the pastor. And I'll meet with them and they'll say, I'll say, what happened? And they'll say, I don't know. We had a great marriage, but then we ran into money problems. Yeah, we were always arguing. She spent too much. He was cheap. Whatever that ish, surface issue is. What happened? Well, we could have made it, but then, you know, the, 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 the sex fizzled. I don't know what it was. She just, she kept rejecting me. Yeah, she's the gatekeeper. He never, he never was intimate with me. He never got to really know me. He just went and we ended up in separate beds. It's a shame. What are you going to do? The sex fizzled. Ephesians 5.33 lets you in on a little secret. Do not miss this. The surface issue is never the issue. The core issue in 99% of relationships is an unloving or disrespectful attitude from the man or the woman or both. That's why God puts an exclamation point on Ephesians 5. This is the Bible's summary statement on male-female relationships, and it's summed up in these words. Come closer, my children. Come closer, my church. I have words of life to give you. I want to let you in on a secret. Each of you men must what? Love his wife. And the wife must what? Respect her husband. You put that command into practice. Your marriage will not just survive. It will thrive. Things can change. Ladies, have you ever tried on a pair of blue glasses? If you're going to understand the men in your life, the sons in your life, you have sons. You're going to love them well. The way they were designed by God to be loved, you will need a crash course in respect. And it's a more complicated language than you think. I don't know where Pete went. On the floor behind me. Thank you. Someone's keeping track of my props. Thank you for that. Men, do you know what it's like to think pink? Loving a woman well requires more than a Valentine's Day card and a box of candy, yeah? You're going to need to step over a lot and lean into conflict if you're going to hear the deep heart cry of the female heart that's behind every critique that you receive. That's what this series is about. Today was our introduction, and I hope you can see we're going we're gonna to dive into some real-life issues. <laughs> we're going to get nitty-gritty about what men and women both need, how God designed them. Not bad, just different. And here's my prayer. This morning I was praying for you, and I was like, God, I, what do you want to do in this church, in this room? And, and, and my sense is that God, I'm praying that God is literally going to do something new in every relationship in this room that there are going to be marriages here that maybe we're headed towards that cliff, 
but got pulled back from the edge because God drops scales from your eyes. I see something. That's why he does that. That's why she responds. My hope is that there are going to be some, some, some relationships that are DOA that God's going to breathe new life into. He's a God of resurrection. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available to you. If you are single, my hope this is going to open up conversations that run much deeper than like, oh, so do you like tenants? Substantive conversations about how we're wired and made in God's image, both of us gloriously. That's how I'm praying. I believe God has the power to do that. Do you believe that? That's how I want to pray for you right now. So let's just bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you right now. You are the God of relationships. You have made us in your image. And Father, as your church, you call us your bride. Father, we are pink in relationship to Jesus Christ. He is our bridegroom. He is the one who has laid down his life out of perfect love. Father, thank you. And we just take this moment, Father, to acknowledge we need you. We need your help big time. God, I pray for every man and woman in this room right now that your spirit has touched them out of place. Maybe this is their first time here, but they're acknowledging something's going on and it's you talking to them. Father God, I pray right now that as they reach out for help, you will meet them. Let them know there is hope, Father. You are more than they need. I pray right now for relationships, Father. If your heads are bowed, just shoot your hand up if you need God. I want to pray for you right now. Can I pray for relationships? Raise your hand if you need help. You'd like me to pray for you right now. Okay, bunch of hands over here. I'll wait for you. Yeah, there's really all over. God, all of our campuses, I am praying that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will begin a new work that the resurrection power of Christ, Father, will save not only marriages, but begin new families, ones that are healthy and ones that reflect the undying love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, do that now. Start with me. Start in us, this church, Lord. We want to see your power, and we love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.